Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 3, walking through, we're going to be teaching through 1 and 2 Samuel over the next several months. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Last week we said the best commentary on the times, Judges chapter 21 verse 25, said in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And as we said last week, not everyone did what was right in their own eyes, but by and large that was the attitude of the day. The Israelites did what they wanted to do, but there was one family Elkanah's family, he and his wife Hannah, they loved the Lord and he would take his family to worship in Shiloh. That's where they worshiped during that time and they would go to worship and offer sacrifices. And poor Hannah was barren. She didn't have children, but Elkanah's second wife did. She had quite a few. So that was quite a bitter time for Hannah. And so she cries out to the Lord and what does the Lord do? He hears our cry, doesn't he? And she draws near to the Lord, drawing near to him. He hears her and he gives her a child. And she names that little boy Samuel. And she told the Lord, if, you'll give me a, if you give me a child, I'll give that child back to you. And she was true to her word. And when that boy was weaned, they took that boy to the priest, Eli, where they left that boy. And they would visit that boy every year and they would bring him uh, they would bring him a robe, a tunic every year as he was growing out of the, the old one. And the Lord blessed that family. Now, Samuel is growing up in, in the presence of Eli, the high priest, and he's like a son to him. But the thing is, Samuel's not like Eli's biological sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They were wicked, weren't they? And they were taking the fat portions of the sacrifices that were supposed to be given to the Lord, and they were taking them for themselves. And they were having relations with the the female servants in the temple. And so here these men, given a a great position to teach the law and to, to offer sacrifice on behalf of the people, they're fornicating in the temple. And they're being a bad example for the people. But Samuel is... Is not like Eli's biological children. He's faithful. In chapter 2, verse 26, says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. Pick up in chapter 3. Let's read this together. Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Verse 2, at that time Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now, I told you last week, there was a lampstand there, and in the evening they would light the lampstand. So this lampstand hadn't gone out yet, which means it's still dark outside. Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And 
He said, I did not call. Lie down again. And so he went and lay down. And that's what Samuel did. He, he thinks Eli, his adoptive father, is calling him. They were some distance apart, but he was close enough to where he could assist Eli when Eli needed help. And Eli needed help because he was about blind and he was in his 90s. Verse 6, and the Lord called again, Samuel, and Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Pretty attentive boy, isn't he? But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his, in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as his other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, and he delivers the message to Samuel we'll read in just a bit. Samuel's attentive, isn't he? We said that last week. He's growing in, in his stature. He's growing, he's, he's growing into a man, still a, a young boy, probably 12, 13 years old. And he is ministering there, helping Eli, serving in the temple, doing what Eli asked him to do. He's very attentive, isn't he? He says, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. The Lord finally speaks to Samuel and he delivers a a surprising message, doesn't he? The first time that Samuel hears the words of the Lord and their message of judgment upon Eli's sons. Here it is this man that he had grown to love dearly, had taken care of him. He just hears a message that his sons will be judged and his house will be judged. And I think that maybe the to kind of tie in from last week, you know, we said that he hears this message and what is what does Samuel do? He delivers the message, doesn't he? In verse 15, Samuel lay until morning. We talked about how long a night that must have been for him. Hearing the words of the Lord, but hearing this message of judgment and knowing he's going to have to deliver that message because what's Eli going to do? I mean, he's the high priest and the, rare, the, the word of the Lord is rare. And Eli knows the Lord is speaking. Well, the Lord's not speaking to Eli. So Eli's going to want to know what's the Lord having to say. Verse 16, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? And I'm sure he could kind of see the, ugh, the grimace, right, on Samuel's face. Something like that. Right? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you, don't hide, if you hide anything from me of all he had told you. So what's Eli What's he expecting to get? He's expecting to get bad news. Because in chapter 2, if you remember, a prophet of the Lord had came and told 
Eli that his, that, that his house was going to be judged because of Eli's sons. And not only because of Eli's sons, but because Eli didn't, didn't do enough about it. Yeah, he said something to his sons, but he didn't have a, he didn't have a pulse on what's going on in the, in the temple, did he? Because all the sinful things that his son was doing for a long time, he didn't know about it. And when he found out, he rebukes them a little bit, but they continue to serve in the temple. And so this prophet had come and, and told Eli that his house was going to be judged. And so Eli's he's expecting bad news, it seems. And so what does Samuel do? Samuel told him everything, verse 18, and hid nothing from him. And Eli says, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. Last week we, we talked about how that was a difficult thing for Samuel to do. Hearing the word of the Lord for the first time, but what a message. A message of judgment to this family that he loved and to Eli. And we talked about how you know, we as believers, we have a, a difficult message sometimes, don't we, to deliver. Sometimes the gospel is difficult because the gospel, which is good news, is, is first of all, it's bad news, isn't it? I mean, it's news that we're, we're telling people that they're sinful and they're, I mean, think about it, the good news. You're telling people that they're sinful and worthy of death. If we share the good news with someone, we have to share the bad news first. The bad news is that we, we're all sinful, and because of that, we deserve God's wrath. We deserve his worst. We deserve punishment. We deserve hell. And not everybody wants to hear that message. And so that's why when we go to share the, the, the gospel, that's why our heart beats real fast and kind of get a lump in our throat. and We kind of get a nauseous feeling sometimes in our, in our pit of our stomach because we know this is bad news. I'm fixing to tell somebody they're wrong really badly wrong. Of course, a lot of people don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want my wife telling me I'm wrong. I want to tell her I'm right. We're all the same, aren't we? But we have to deliver this message of, 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 of death before we can give life, right? The good news. Adam and Andy are going to Malaysia, and they're going to be rubbing elbows with people that's never heard the gospel. So they're going to be sharing the gospel with people, but they first have to share the bad news that they're sinners condemned to death before they can share the good news of Jesus Christ. A couple things I want to point out uh, today. First is that Samuel is raised up to be a prophet so the word of the Lord can be heard. That's the main point of this chapter in this portion of 1 Samuel. And we said the first several chapters in this book is, is, is all about Samuel and how he became the prophet. And, and here we see him hearing the word of the Lord for the first time. The word of the Lord was rare. God had withdrawn himself. That's the context in which God is now speaking to Samuel. There were no prophets. I think about that today. You know, we live in a, a really incredible place. I've traveled a lot. Some of you in the military and others, you've traveled throughout the world. There's no place like America. A lot of problems, a lot of issues, not a perfect place. There is no place, in my experience, no place like America. 
It's actually right here where in the in the in the south. There is um, it's really a, a a sweet sweet place. And the and the and the the gospel is prevalent. The word of God can be can be watched on TV, can be heard on the radio. We have Bibles in many different translations. Now, that's not true all over the world. There's places where it's, it's more rare than here. Some places it's really rare. There's not a Bible in there. The Word of God is not in, in their language. They don't have a, a person there that's a believer preaching and teaching the Word of God. There are some people groups in the world where there's no known believers among their people groups. We call them unreached, unengaged peoples. Now, that's not true of us, right? But that's, that's true in some places. And in Samuel's day, the context is the word of the Lord was rare. He hadn't been speaking through his prophets. And as I said last week, I'm so thankful for... You know, our, our church, I'm so thankful for living in this, in this place and our, our seminaries, our Baptist seminaries are growing, conservative, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching seminaries. They're growing. Enrollment is increasing every year in every one of our seminaries. People, men and women, are going there to get equipped to proclaim the, the gospel and the word of God throughout our world. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful on Tuesday morning, there's six men who meet me at 5.30 on Tuesday morning. From 5.30 to 7, we study the Word of God. 5.30. 5.30 to 7. Before they go to work, they come here and we study. Yeah, I'm so thankful that there's men who are willing to do that. What a blessing it is. I was telling someone, you know, our church really has hit a sweet spot as of late, and I really think it's because of the men submitting to the Lord. And you can have a whole lot of women submitted to the Lord and on fire for Jesus, and the Lord uses that. But when heads of households and leaders in the church submit to the Lord and get excited about the things of God, it really affects not only it affects families, doesn't it? And then it affects our church and it affects our community. So I'm really excited. But that, that's not, that wasn't the case in Samuel's day. It was rare for the word of the Lord to be heard. Think about Ezra. You remember after the exile, 70 years as Jeremiah prophesied, they would be in Babylon and they would return to Jerusalem and there they would rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall and Ezra comes with the, the law. Do you remember that story? And he reads the law, and they haven't heard the law in such a long time, and he reads the law, and what do the people do? Boo-hoo. They're brokenhearted. They're hearing the law, and they're just weeping, and there's weeping. And I think about Peter on the day of Pentecost. He preaches the gospel. What happens? Do you remember? What do the people say when they hear Peter's message? It says they were cut to the heart. What must I do to be saved? Right? Yeah. And think about our own lives, our own stories. There's so many here. We have these, a similar, different story, different experience, but we, if you're a believer, we've had the same experience in that 
we've been broken, right, over our sin. We've heard that, that we're sinners and that we're rebellious against the Lord. And because of that, God's going to pour out his wrath upon us. And what's happened? For many of us here in this room, Daniel, we've been, we, have, we had godly sorrow. God brought about this miraculous thing in our hearts where there's godly sorrow. And we wept and we're broken and we hated our sin. And we forsook it. We repented and we trusted Christ. We trusted Christ's work on the cross as our own. That he died for us and he rose from the grave. See, we've all been, a, many of us, right? If you're a believer, you've been affected by the word of God. That wasn't happening in Samuel's day. So this is a rare event. You're thinking, okay, get on with it. You're, you're, you're beating a dead horse. But I want you to understand the context of what's happening because this is going to affect the rest of the book. It's really important. Samuel becomes a, a prophet. Let's read verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, God would speak his message to Samuel, and, message, and the message that, that God gave him, he would speak to the people. And all those things happened. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to to, Shiloh, to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Main point of this, this chapter, this part of the book. Yeah, Samuel's the prophet. And, and what's the big deal about that? The word of the Lord is going to be heard again in Israel. Like I said, we're, we're affected by it. Amanda's been affected by it. Laura Lee, she's been affected by it. Miss Lou has been affected by it, the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God, miracle taking place, surrender. Now I, I know this creator, this omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. I have a personal relationship with him because I heard the Word of the Lord. So that's what's taking place here. Samuel becoming a prophet. That's the main point. The second point is that one can be godly despite the worldly influences around them. I mean, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the, the author of this book has painted this picture. There's no leader, so everyone in Israel is doing what they wanted to do. The priest is blind to all that's going on. His son, he's blind to the, the things his son's doing in the temple. They're laying there. The lamp's about to go out. And what does God do? God speaks. To Samuel. And what was Samuel's response? He says, speak for your servant is listening. And Samuel's young. He's just a boy. But he submits to the Lord. He hears his voice. He obeys. And I just want to say, young people, you can do that in our world. Man, you know, we live in a really, man, our society is becoming more and more pagan and more and more corrupt and more and more immoral. But young people, we can, you can live for the Lord. You can be godly in an in a immoral culture. I mean, think about the examples we have in Scripture. Samuel here is one example, but think about Joseph and what all he went through. He was in Egypt, pagan place, but yet he was faithful to the Lord. 
Daniel. Daniel was taken from Jerusalem, exiled to Babylon, where he served under Nebuchadnezzar. And he was faithful in Babylon. And then the Persians took over. He was still faithful. He served the, the Babylonian kings. He served the Persian kings. But what is, he was faithful to the Lord, despite his culture. Think about Samuel. He knew much about the Lord, didn't he, from his parents, because they loved the Lord. But here in our text, we see him submitting to the Lord, willing to obey. He hears this message. I've got to deliver this message to Eli. And he delivers the message, painful as as it was. He was willing to obey. And that's what happens when we repent and trust the Savior. If you repent and you trust the Lord, what do we do? We're eager to obey. I mean, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a what? A liar, and the truth isn't in him. The Apostle John writing, Don't say you know the Lord, you have a relationship with him, if you don't obey, if your life isn't characterized by obedience. Now, we don't, 100% of the time, we're not perfect, right? But is our life characterized by obedience? Samuel, he, at this point in time, he knew the Lord. He hears the voice of the Lord, he submitted to the Lord, and he obeys. And his life was, it was difficult at times. Here next week, we're going to see they, they want a king. They want to be like the other nations. Good gracious. What are you trying to do, Israel? Why do you want to be like the pagans? He lived in a, a difficult time, but yet he obeyed. And, and think about most weren't obeying the Lord. I mean, even the priests didn't obey the Lord. It wouldn't have been odd if Samuel didn't want to yield in obedience to the Lord. I mean, after all, his mama put him there, he didn't choose to live in the temple. He didn't have any say-so. His mama just took him. I told the Lord, I'm going to take you. i got to take you. You think he was excited? Three, four-year-old boy. Mama, where are y'all going? Her telling Elkanah. We're going to slip out while he's not looking like we do in the nursery, right? Put him in there. Okay, I'm out of here. I'm out of here, right? Don't let him see me, right? I mean, in that wicked culture, you got fornication, selfishness is, is so prevalent that even those given the responsibility to teach the law were corrupt, right? So Samuel, if he did what he wanted to do, disregarded God's will, that would have been par for the course. No one would have blamed him. He'd been like everybody else. But that's not what Samuel did. He obeys the Lord. And he lives a life in such a way that in, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, he's old and he's about to die, and he tells the people, what have I done, what have I done wrong? What faults do I have? And have any. He loved the Lord. He lived an incredible life. He's like a, a, a Christ-like figure in this dark world. We see him obeying the Lord, being rejected at times like Christ. He he lived obedient 
submitted to the Father. How are we going to apply this text today? A couple things. The word of the Lord was rare in Samuel's day. I mean, preachers were few. But of course, on this side of the cross, we have the word of God. That's what I've said. We have the word of God. There's no famine of the word. We have it. You have one in front of you. It's a black pew Bible, right? If you need one, take it home with you, right? You have it. We have it accessible to us. So I think we just we need to read it, right? There can be a famine where you don't have the word in your language, you know? You don't have the, the scriptures translated in your language. That would be, there's a famine, right, of the word of God if you, don't, if you don't have it in your language. But that's not true of us. But there's kind of another type of famine, isn't it? A famine of just reading it and studying it. We may have it, right? But do we read it and do we study it and do we submit our lives to it? You know, it's like a, um, it's like this. You know, we live our lives, you know, kind of like this, right? Submitted to the word of God. That should be a Christian's life. But there's a famine sometimes because there's no word, but that's not true in our case, but there's a famine sometimes just of reading it and submitting to it and Living it out, right? So I, I, application would be, you know, this, the word of God came to Samuel and he began to prophesy and speak God's words to his audience. But we have his word in, in our culture and it's awesome. So let's read it and let's study it and let's submit our lives to it. We say all the time we want to be a church that's biblical and what's that mean? We, do, we want to do what the Bible says in everything that we do. Well, what does that look like? Well, well, let's turn and look and see, right? And then let's obey as a church, but also individually, right? So that, that's the first thing is let's just read the word. Let's just maybe a question is, is it our habit, is it our habit to put ourselves in a position to hear from the, from the Lord? How do we hear from the Lord? The scriptures, right? Is it our habit as a church to put ourselves in a position to, to hear the Lord? Secondly, Samuel's a young boy, you know. He's, he's young. But, you know, as God calls Samuel, God calls all boys and girls to follow him. And maybe, Emma, you're a, a child here at our church, and maybe, you know, for some of us, we, our kids, they've grown up learning catechisms. And they, they hear Bible stories regularly. They have family devotions, and they come to church a lot, and they're taught a lot about the Bible. And maybe you're a child here, and you're, you've endured a lot of that, family devotions and prayer times and Bible readings. But maybe, maybe it's, you haven't embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior like your mama and your dad have. The Lord, maybe today, maybe like he spoke to Sam, and maybe he'll speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit and draw you to him today. So second point by way of application, Aiden, is have you repented and trusted Christ? Riley, have you repented and trusted Christ? You know, Have you repented and trusted Christ? That's the, the question for you, boy, little boy, little girl. 
And thirdly, by way of application, it's, you know, Eli's sons, there's this prophecy God tells Samuel that his, his family and his sons are going to be judged. And what it means there, they're, they're not going to be forgiven. Verse 14, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. What's that mean? Kind of put that in your own words. They're doomed. There's no hope for them. And, and the New Testament speaks uh, kind of the same, recognizes the same reality. If you trample the Son of God underfoot, if you treat with contempt the death of Jesus for your sins, what hope do you think there is for you? There is none. There's no sacrifice left to atone for your sins if you've discarded the death of Christ. So my, my encouragement to you is repent. And this is what happens when you repent, lost person, if you've never trusted Christ. It's God treats Jesus like he should treat you. He treated Jesus like he should treat you. And if you repent, he treats you like Jesus. That makes sense? Like we're sinful and we, we deserve his wrath and his worst. And what's amazing is the punishment that we deserve God poured out on Christ 2,000 years ago. And if we repent, what he does is he treats us like Jesus. And we're clothed in righteousness and we, he doesn't count our sin against us, right? Pretty amazing. So for you, it, the application point may be to you. You need to repent. And, and lastly, as Samuel, he lived this godly life. First Samuel 12, he asked him to point out his sin, and they had none to point out. You know, we live in a dark culture, and 1 Peter 2.12, it's, it's a great verse. Let me, let me read this to you. Keep your conduct honorable so that when they, they, speaking of people outside the church, they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Live such a good life that people see it and take note and say, yeah, I want that too. I want to live that life as well. So that's what we're called to do as Christians, is to live in, in, a, in a dark, pagan, immoral culture. We're supposed to live in such a way that pleases the Lord. And I think you're, you're taking a, we're all taking a very step towards doing that because you're here, right? And we say all the time, we don't come to church because we've got it together and we've got our problems fixed. We come to church because we got a lot of problems that need to be fixed, right? And we come and we lock arms, hand in hand, arm in arm together, and we live life together and help each other to grow in Christ's likeness and honor him in what we do. So that's by way of application for us today. First Samuel, great book. Encourage you to continue reading ahead. We'll pick up in chapter 4 next week. Let's live lives this week, church, in, in such a way that people take notice and they will say, yeah, I want, I want what he's got, whatever that is. And if you're lost, maybe you're a little boy, little girl, and you've never repented, you need to repent like Samuel, and you need to submit your life to the Lord and follow him. And if you're an adult or you're a student, you're older, and you are trampling underfoot, 
the sacrifice of Jesus today, you need to repent. So I'd encourage you to do that. If you've got a question about that, you don't really say, you're saying repent a lot. I don't really know what that means. I'd love to talk to you. I'll be the last one to leave today. I can stay all day. It's a work day for me, right? I'm on the clock. I'd love to talk to you. But there's a lot of other people here that like to be able to explain what that means, to repent. If you're saying, well, I don't even know if I've done that or not, then, yeah, it's, it's a chance maybe you have it. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.